Welcome back to the ATI Podcast, everybody. Season 2, Episode 7. Barrett here with you, and I got Josh Welch by my side. Hi, hi, hi. And we are the ATI Podcast. Yeah. If this is the first time you guys are tuning in, what the hell? Why now? Yeah. Why not before? I mean, we've put out countless hours and hours of of entertainment. Of quality (laughs) content. And you wait till Episode 7 of the second season. How dare you? If you are just turning in for the first time, this is how we do. We're going to have a guest spotlight here in a little bit with Melissa Powers. She's a rising artist in the St. Louis area, part of the band Scissor, and has her own band, uh, or I guess just Melissa Powers is the project, you know, solo act, and uh, both are getting a lot of steam, a lot of attention, and uh, we wanted to bring her on here and talk about everything that she's got going on and expose her perhaps to even more new fans right? and yep. uh, get her talents out there. So Yeah, she I, I found that she's mutual friends with some friends of ours, so yeah. that was other, cool. Small other, world. Yeah, other listeners of the show too, so that's cool too. Before we get into our guest spotlight segment, which is where we spend a good portion of our time, concentrated amounts of our time in our guest spotlight segment, we will talk about current events beforehand, but we have a recent experience to expound upon uh, just because of logistics and everything like that. We didn't really get to do our traditional rap right. with regards to the Alamo Drafthouse experience. So Incredible. Yeah. I had a blast. Uh, the hospitality, 10 out of 10. Staff there, 10 out of 10. Beautiful location. Location, 10 out of 10. Atmosphere. Especially for St. Louis. I mean, the only, I, I was like literally trying to think like what, what could make this better. Right. And this would be something totally out of their control. But like if there was some way that the Alamo Drafthouse was located like on the banks of the Mississippi river near the arch that'd be cool yeah you know to have that view and and, and all i kept thinking about was the you know the ability to have a view right like they did in their dining areas and things like that so i mean that's that's the only thing I could come up with, maybe, you know? Yeah. But the city foundry is no slub. I mean, that's that area is kept up and, and occupied, you know, a lot of people frequent the city foundry. City foundry is pretty famous and infamous, at least in the St. Louis area. Yeah. And uh, is a place I saw that the city winery, actually, I started following all the events that they had going on in the city foundry. City winery last night had the Verve pipe. Oh, wow. Right dude. there. It was that business that was on the ground. Yeah, right I remember. That across. was a beautiful spot, too. Yeah. I wanted to go in there, but yeah. I know we had to record. Right. But yeah, I'd love to go up and just check out the whole foundry and like see everything that sure. it has. You know, we went there on business, but then later became leisure after we got what we had to get done. Incredible you know. experience, too. But yeah, I definitely am looking forward to going back and being like less business related visit you know right yeah yeah just uh maybe double date take the wives and just suck yeah. it all in try all 48 taps could you think we could do it i, I think we could do that i think we could do it <laughs> between the four of us definitely <laughs> <laughs> now will 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 we have equal uh participating <laughs> yeah i doubt it yeah, yeah. i don't know about they'd that. be carrying us out probably by the end probably of the probably roll our ass down the steps more <laughs> like it but yeah like jen her conversation was great had yeah, a great she time was awesome yeah. yeah she was great as a guest you know loves film is passionate about it you can see right. it 
Right. She when she talks about it, she it's been part of her life. Her dad sure. owned the cinema. I mean, yeah, it was such a pleasure talking to Jen. Yeah, and, and it's I think it's safe to say a lot of people that would be in her position in other companies probably don't love movies. You know, right? Like, let's think of that same position in an in an AMC or something like that. You know? <laughs> right. Right. You know, I, I I doubt that there's the same amount of passion there. So right. it was nice to see that one of your you know higher executives within a company has actually a love for cinema and and believes in the product too. You know, it's not just... uh corporate speak if you will right and i think she kind of spoke to that when we interviewed her too she you know yeah. you, you know make sure you have product and what you're trying to push or sell is really important you know so you want to get up and do it every day <laughs> yeah i mean a job's a job but uh you know if you love your job it makes it a whole the hell a lot easier right for sure yeah again it's something in the arts contributing toward the arts and that sort of thing and it's it's easy to be passionate about that and again why we do what we do you know a right. lot of what right. we do the people that we talk to is centered around the arts or People do it, performers, people, you know, evoking that emotion in others or, you know, somebody with a solid business product that's providing a service to a community. So, you know, it's it's just part of this capitalistic machine that is America. Uh, it has its pluses and its negatives, of course, but the pluses are is whenever you get to see businesses taking and running off and being successful with like good business models, like right. in the Alamo Draft House example, you know, so. But yeah, just we can't say enough good things about the experience. Looking forward to it again. And uh can't forget mentioning Greg Sestero too. Pretty cool guy. Oh, like dude, very awesome. giving of his time. Yeah. Hilarious glib. Yeah. Especially like when the commentary went down, I was like wondering exactly because you know you see you see people in movies and things, and it's not at all an indication as to who they actually are or how they'll actually be when you talk to them on a personal level. Right. And uh, I just felt like he was just like a, a normal dude. Yeah. You know, very very relatable, easy to talk to. I love that he's keeping the the cult following of the room alive. Yeah. Too. You know what I mean. And that's another thing too I want to mention as well. You know, well, I think a lot of people would be like, okay, yeah, great, I did this thing, but look at this other thing that. I did that's you know better or serious or whatever the mind frame like he's leaned into and accepted the cult phenomenon and status that it is and just tries to still yet go out keep that in mind but still do other work and be known for other things too yeah like when we talked to him he's like yeah you know he would talk to us a lot about the room but then he would also say i'm working on this project and this project but it was never like oh you guys if you like the room you should you know it was nothing like that right yeah very nice dude um, very gracious of him to give us a little bit of his time for questions. And yeah, I loved it, man. The experience was awesome. I yeah. thought the commentary was hilarious. Um, yeah, it was great. It was kind of funny, too, like how that whole thing developed out as well as like, you know, we're sitting up at the bar having some drinks and we got done with our, you know, big to do corporate interview with Jen, you know, <laughs> and uh, everybody's like, oh, he's here. He's here. He's here. And I'm like, what, who's here? Greg's here. And I look over my shoulder and he's standing over there and everybody's kind of like, oh, should we talk to him? Can we talk to him? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. Like, you know, Derek, I think, was like the only one out of everybody that was kind of whispering about stuff that just like really took the initiative to go and talk to him. Yeah. Derek Hankins, shout out, by the way. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Tim and Bar up there and, and was a huge help. All the crew, man. Yeah, you guys were awesome. Jacob, too, up at the front concierge position, too. He helped us out quite a bit. So, like, I think everybody just kind of took their opportunities to like naturally talk to Greg. Right. And we went up and talked to him several different times, you know, once he was set up and then kind of in a group. But I also noticed like, as soon as somebody would have the, I guess, gall to come up to him and talk to him, like other people would follow. So like whenever we went up there, I would think it would be just us. And then I look behind us and there's like they you know, two us. or three other people over there. <laughs> like they're like, oh, they're going to go talk to him. So I'm going to come in behind him. Yeah. You know, kind of thinking. But yeah, it's just funny to, you know, human behavior and see how it all breaks out. But anywho, 
eventually finally like because like we pretty much talked about you know if he has something for sale i think we're probably gonna buy it you yeah, know depending yeah. on what it is how much yeah, yeah so josh ended up didn't you just get the book signed right? yeah yeah i haven't got very yeah. far i'm like chapter one into it but so far it's the most hilarious book i've read in a while and you know that's i mean it's literally what the disaster artist movie was adapted from that point of view that writing right. that that was the work that they used so right. and i'm really excited to read it i haven't gotten into it yet but i was like I need to read this book because of how much I love this movie and I love just the craziness, the stories that you've read and, and all that stuff surrounding it. But I also like the 20th anniversary poster that was custom made right there. Yeah. Like, well, we're here for the 20th anniversary. It'd be <laughs> nice to have that. And I also don't have a physical copy of it. So and I am a physical media collector and I do love it. And it's, you know, easily top five, like cult fan film for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so good. It's bad. You know, all the things that we talked about. Movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I got to get that. So before I knew it, I had three different things. And yeah. he signed everything, like just took our stuff and signed it. We didn't even yeah. have to ask him. Yeah. Just signed everything. Uh, and then we get back and we're looking over our shit and we're like, man, can you believe like how cool this guy is? And he like, signed all this stuff. And yeah. like, we have this stuff and it's ours. Took a picture <laughs> you know? with us. Yeah, and... took a picture with us and everything. And I was yeah. like, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go ask him, like, even if it's just five minutes. Yeah. And that's basically how we approached it. <laughs> like just went up and he's like, yeah. 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 Great guy, man. Yeah. So yeah, it was just really cool like it wasn't nothing that we were prepared to do anyways you right, know what i mean it's right. like we didn't go in there with an expectation that we're going to talk to him yeah. or interview him for that matter right but it was it was cool that the opportunity was there and i felt like we seized it too you know absolutely took a little ambition and initiative on our part for sure no, i definitely had to follow you because you know i am i'm a little bit of, <laughs> have uh, anxiety issues so i was like dude I, yeah yeah let's do it i and mean I, I i was definitely feeling very anxious about it because uh <laughs> i mean also i didn't want it to be one of those awkward things like you ask somebody to do something and they just do it out of obligation I, right i I think he genuinely was like cool with doing it yeah i did start to notice he's like kind of looking around us when people started getting behind us and i was like oh, i don't want to hold up like his merch sales or anything right, you know right. so that's why at the very end of the conversation it's just kind of like abruptly ends yeah because there was a, a quite a bit of a line forming and then once we walked back from that line that line wrapped to the length of the bar almost oh yeah the turnout was great yeah. man so there's a lot of people there to see that and it was a good time and it was a good house and a lot of participation during the movie even after he fell off the actual commentary, the live commentary, because he agreed to do it up until his sex scene, I guess. Which I get that. I totally I, understand I, yeah, that. Yeah, it's got to be awkward to sit in a room full of people. Especially probably yeah. filming something that was so uncomfortable to film. Yeah, like and 20 years ago. trying to relive that yeah. and talk about it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So I don't blame him one bit, but he came back out for the Q&A and again... Like 30 minutes at least, I want to say. Oh, yeah. Like, there was quite a bit of questions. Yeah. Quite a few questions. A lot of questions. Good a lot questions. of good questions, too. Yeah. Uh, Derek actually asked a really good question, too. Derek Hankins. And we shouted him out earlier. But, of course, that's Dr. Egon Casanova from our first season, pro wrestling manager for String Bean, to tie it all in together. Derek asked him about doing the... Well, I'll just put it in layman's terms, because there's obviously some, like dubbed over audio especially in the sex scenes that comes off ultra cheesy yeah and basically the hollywood terms like adr greg had to go back in studio because tommy Wiseau wanted him to be more passionate and to record dub overs and that's why like whenever you watch the room and you see people's mouths not aligning with what they're saying <laughs> especially tommy yeah <laughs> tommy's in particular that's why because tommy couldn't do this like the scene he his english was too broken or at least his accent got in the way on his lines in person, I guess, or at least he perceived it that way, that he went back and like recorded all of his yeah. talking points. He wanted more American accent. Right. It was just... And then that, that was another funny, hilarious thing. Like, Greg so easily did his voice kept slipping in and out of Tommy's voice so easily. Oh, dude, I can't do Tommy's like little accent, but yeah. man, Greg killed it. Yeah, I was like, whoa, dude, that's... I mean... 
they've been friends for like 24 years. So right. Yeah. When you start doing the math. So I guess it makes sense. Like I could probably do a Josh voice, even if I wasn't like, oh, I can do a Josh voice. You know, right. If I had thought about it or something, you know. Right. But yeah, dude, just a really cool experience. I don't, you know, yep. it'd be great if we ever have one like that again, but I'm, you know, I'm not betting on it, but it was pretty awesome. Yeah. I yeah. will say that. And that I won't forget for sure. Let's move on to some other current events and uh, we're going to keep this quick. So World Baseball Classic, of course, ultimately what happened. It was really cool to see Japan it ended up in the final and we've been talking about everything going on in Japan, especially with Newt Bar in particular. And now he's become a cult phenomenon there. He went from like... 60,000 Instagram followers to almost a million. Yeah. Did you watch any of the watch parties from Japan of that too? No, I didn't. Oh, dude, I have some videos I'll show you later, but it's yeah. like, it gives me goosebumps. Like, I love to see how passionate people in Japan are getting about baseball. And Atani's a beast. Oh, obviously, gosh. like, you know, I can't say enough good stuff about him as a player in general. I hope him and Newt's friendship blossoms a yeah. special connection to yeah. St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm really hoping, hoping for that. And they seemed like best bros the whole oh, time yeah. too. You know, I'm America did well, you know, it was USA against Japan in the actual World Baseball Classic final. And it was kind of bittersweet, you know, I was happy to see Newt Bar win and... The matchup to end it. And the matchup to end it was, you couldn't have written out better Hollywood stories. So Trout was the last batter up and Otani was the guy pitching to him and their teammates on the Angels and really good friends, obviously. And America and, versus uh, Japan. America man. versus Japan, you know, it was cinematic, really. Yeah, it was beautiful. Also, did you see Pedro Martinez after the game, like, just thinking? Shoatani for like the player that he is and the representative that he is of the game and no, but I and get show it. Show about to like start crying. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. no, I didn't see that. It, it was great, man. I did see uh, old Ken Griffey Jr. getting up and taking some BPs till he hit a home run, yeah. and every American player was like around the batting cage just watching. <laughs> I swear, I saw a report before we started recording that the Padres signed him to a minor league deal. What? Yeah. He's going to play? Somebody said something like, this is going to be the greatest comeback ever. And I was like, what? No way. I didn't look at the details beyond, but it's I, be he might be a manager thing yeah. or something, yeah. you know? But no, if there was going to be a team to beat us in the end, I was definitely, I was okay with Japan beating us. That team was unbelievable. Undefeated team. I mean, just nasty. Yeah. They played their asses off. The only other teams I would have cared about winning if it wasn't USA it would have been Japan or uh, Puerto Rico because yeah. Yachty was managing Puerto Rico. So. Yeah. And he did a great job at that. So Yeah, he did very well as well. And he'll continue to be a great coach because he was a great player. He'll be back. He was a coach on the field. I'm a believer. He'll be some kind of front end something. I hope that he becomes a Cardinals manager eventually. That would be be the ideal situation. (laughs) I agree. So cards. The boys are back in full force now that World Baseball Classic is wrapped up. Wayno, unfortunately, is going to be starting the season on IR, though. Yeah, what that was uh, World Baseball Classic related, right? Yes. With Wayno starting on the IR, though, there's a lot of controversy going on right now. Well, I say a lot. There's a movement of fans, let's put it this way, that are pissed off that we spent $17 million on Wayno's final season only for him to be injured when he could have gracefully retired with the rest of the boys as a lot of people thought was going to happen. Yeah, but you can't predict stuff, man. No, and... And Wayno has been lights out. Look at him, okay, as a player. Look at the start of his career. Look at the middle of, career, of his career. And then come look at these final last 10 seasons that he's had. This dude has been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, and he's way a, more than expected, <laughs> in my he's, opinion. He's definitely outperformed expectations of him, I would say, as a prospect for sure. I think, obviously, the Braves undervalued him whenever they traded him to us. Absolutely. He's had, like, these bounce back, you know, comeback player of the year type seasons several times you know yeah whenever everybody's counted him out he ain't got it anymore and then he comes back like sharper than than he's been in two or three seasons you know right so i'm, I'm, I'm he's just that special type of athlete that honestly 
plays better with a chip on his shoulder. His attitude and his very laissez-faire, like, easygoing attitude would not lead you to believe that. And you see him joking around in the, the bullpen at times or even on the bench and things like that. And you, and you think, oh, this guy, he can't be serious. But no, he's serious when it matters. And yeah. and he puts in the fucking work. Right. And he plays a big role in leadership there. Absolutely. Without question. So. So, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna jump on that bandwagon. I mean, that's I kind of a it. bad take, I think. We're spending money on somebody. This is their final season. They're older and we have a lot of young talent. But at the same time, I feel like we kind of owe this man a final I season. I agree. I agree. Yeah, why not? I mean, 2006 World Series, he was the guy who right. landed that one for us at the end. I'm not mad about it. Pay him. While we're talking about money and people getting money, let's talk about Michaelis. Michaelis got a two-year extension because he was already on the last year of his contract. And I think that was a great idea. However, a lot of people are talking about the money. And a lot of people are strangely off-put by the amount that he got. He got $40 million for a two-year extension. So that means he's getting $20 million a year. So that means he's getting paid this year, not this year, but you know next year, more than what Wainwright will have made this year. Whenever you look at it, Apple's Apple's obviously a $3 million difference. So that's raising some eyebrows, but I don't hate it. Michaelis has been an entirely different player since he's become a Cardinal. And not to say he was bad before, He's but kind he was of, streaky good in the past, he but kind he's of, like stable good right now. He's kind of emerged since Flaherty's kind of been up and down. It oh, seems like, question. you know, once Flaherty, Flaherty would get injured or something, it seems like Michaelis was kind of that guy that come in and was like, I got you boys. You know what I mean? Michaelis has saved our ass more than once, honestly. And he's been yeah. better than advertised. I mean, so, look how he played today. Absolutely. Insane. Let's talk about some of the minor league guys. Looks like Walker's going to be sent down to AAA Memphis. Uh, unfortunately, but he's also struggling with some shoulder injury stuff. Gorman and Wynn have actually just kept destroying, absolutely been phenomenal. Yeah, Mason Wynn. Yeah. Yeah, that and kid's I'm, crazy. I would love to see Mason Wynn on the 40-man roster. I don't think it's happening, but man, it almost hurts my heart not to see it. Yeah. Because they basically have said that Gorman's going to be on the you know the 40-man roster. So Right. Dakota Hudson actually got sent down. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I think that surprised a lot of people. So did Libertor yeah. as well. So, Some yeah. of the comments by Marmol, too, this and this whole spring training have yeah. been kind of crazy. Like uh, yeah. the whole Kisner and Contreras situation. Right. And then the the third guy, what's his name? Uh, catcher that's kind of competing with Kisner for the backup oh, spot. Um, Herrera? Yeah. Like there's been some questionable uh, statements by Marmol saying that, you know, Kisner isn't performing as well. He's you know? not. But I know, but... Uh, you know, this man sat behind Yachty for so long, dude. And I just, I know we got Contreras and we need his offensive bat and stuff. I just, I feel bad for kids. <laughs> we need a, we but need I a guess veteran ba- backup catcher is what yeah. we need. Yeah, I guess feeling bad isn't going to win you a World Series, though. No, we need we need somebody <laughs> that if, 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 if called upon can, can catch for 60 plus games. Right, right. You know, that's, I mean, that's just. And swing the bat at when yeah. we need him to. Uh, and he that's that's the big thing against him. Yeah. He's solid defensively behind the plate, but when it comes to offense, no. No, yeah. Need to make a correction on last week's show, too. Because, or not last week, but the week before, excuse me, episode five, whenever I said that uh, St. Louis SC finally lost their first game. Easy to make that mistake, however, because St. Louis <laughs> Football Club is what came up whenever I initially was checking scores and I missed the last game. So I had to go by that. And when I was too hasty and not you know vetting my information, but St. Louis City SC is actually four. And O and O, so no ties, no losses. Number one. It's the best expansion start to any MLS team ever. They have 12 total goals on top of that. So not only do they have the best record, but 12 total goals, the most goals of any team. So that actually puts them in very first place of the entire MLS. I love it. It's crazy, dude. 
Yeah. Absolutely crushed. This is a soccer city, man. People don't realize, man, how much history there is and how much love there is for that sport, man. And they've really seemed like they built a good organization and really scouted some really awesome players for their first season. So I 100% agree. And uh, we got to quickly mention the Battle Hawks. Battle Hawks uh, lost to the defenders again. Again, it came down to the last minute. I think there was some. Obviously, it was mostly bad offensive calls. The defense did all right and hung in there, but a lot of penalties. We had only five penalties in the entirety of the season up to that point. Yeah. And we had five within the first quarter. Yeah, it was it was rough to watch. Um, there was definitely, I felt like, a lot of bad decisions made, but, I mean, they were also trying to force plays, you know what I mean? Right. So I get that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they tried their best, and they made it close, man. It was a crazy – there for a little bit, I was like, holy shit, are they yeah. going to do it again? But, yeah, penalty-ridden and – like I said, a few bad decisions, but I mean, it's all good. I have faith in the Battle Hawks. I have, def- I have faith that we're going to call call one one more time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go Battle Hawks. So Battle Hawks going to bounce back this weekend, looking for a win. So let's talk about the latest with our favorite person, Mr. Donald J. Trump, Donald and all the exciting things he has going on. J. Dump looming indictments or indictment at least to start. And that would be specifically as it relates to the charges surrounding the Stormy Daniels hush money. Right. It has been alluded to, alleged that he paid off Stormy Stormy Daniels with campaign funds because it was coming out during the 2016 election cycle when he was running for president against Hillary Clinton that they had had whatever relations and pay for play or whatever. And he paid her hush money. Right. And he paid her hush money. Now, Michael Cohen, his lawyer, who has since, you know, served jail time, mind you, and now has come to speak out about Trump. Funny how that happens (laughs) all the time. has said that Trump paid for that with his own money. I believe Stormy Daniels issued a letter. At least that's what they're saying on conservative media shit that she issued a letter stating that donald trump paid her with their own like how the fuck would she know right like how how would she know like what account it came out of (laughs) you know i don't put much into that right i think the new york da knows that he has to go through with charging trump but where it ultimately ends or whether or not it sticks you know is a different story but just for like the credibility of his office and the job that he does like i think there's an expectation that he does it right i i think it's i think it's about time we held somebody accountable for something regardless of who they are like right. uh, the law is the law why is he above the law why shouldn't he be held accountable for his actions just like anybody else well i mean we're, i'm going to make this comment about this but it's also going to apply to some other things with him and that is people need to realize that the president isn't above the law regardless of how how they feel that they might be or you know like somebody in trump's instance you know he's lived this life of celebrity and elite status and you know i mean again don't be confused this guy is not a self-made billionaire no. in the sense is that you know he was built with a silver spoon in his mouth go look up fred trump and see who he is yeah look how much money he got when he turned 18 from his papa yeah so i mean it's hard to have a lot of compassion there uh, I do believe that the man is so stupid that he gets in his own way and doesn't realize it for what that's worth. Oh, he's a narcissist, so well, there's makes that, sense. For sure. <laughs> when it comes to, the, I don't know that this like New York thing with, again, the, the Stormy Daniels hush money things like the hill that I want to die on as a person that's not a fan of Trump. I think there's plenty of other things. I think there could be more conservative efforts being put into the January 6th stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to but I think where things are actually going to land and, and really get him is his phone conversation with the Secretary of State of Georgia. Yeah, that's going to be the find me 11,600 and however many votes it was. Right. You know, that's that's the that right there is damning in and of itself the audio that we've all heard several times. So Right. 
Well, and they've got to be careful with the Mar-a-Lago court documents, document stuff, because now they've found documents at Pence's house. They found them at Biden's house. So right. if you're going to hold one accountable, you've got to hold them all accountable there. So right. I don't really see that one ground or catching much ground. No, I, I don't either. And again, it's, you know, once you hear that all these people are doing it, you know, whether it's a Republican, Democrat, people over the years, so on, so on have documents that they shouldn't outside of their office, then you become, well, this is kind of like commonplace, right? So, you know, it was being made such a spectacle with Trump because, you know, it's Trump. People don't like him and (laughs) he does a lot for people not to like him on his own. Right. So it's easy to be like villainize him and everything with that. But then, okay, well, Pence, Trump, this, uh, this seems to be a little bit more common than we initially Where we need to change some rules and do some verifications before people leave the White House. Absolutely. Uh, What I do find funny is, you know, Trump, this is now... Almost been a week later, but last Saturday at his rallies that he was having, he was, you know, playing victim like he likes to do and was going on to his supporters. Oh, you guys need to come out and protest. They're going to arrest me on Tuesday. Da, 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 making this biggest scene. And what he actually did was encourage people to get out and protest against him, actually. Right. The so majority around, of the crowds were right. anti-Trump protesters. Right. So. right. To where they had to actually put up a barricade around Trump Tower in various mm-hmm. places to keep them back and away. Yeah. So I guess Trump finally got that wall he wanted. Yeah, he got a wall. He get in <laughs> Trump Tower in New York. I love when shit like that backfires on people, man. Trump continues, of course, to sow fear and hate at his rallies, you know, warning people of death and destruction if he's indicted. Like, again... Dude, like, know your legal team, know your legal standing in this situation, like, read the room. I don't, what what does he think he's going to accomplish with this? I mean, I mean, he's doing it with intent, right? Right. And he's already seen what his followers are capable of, right? Yeah. These are the most basic conclusions I can draw, is he is hoping to incite people again to do something. Well, and I think that that gives him his edge and a little bit of power, is by by when he does call out on these people that support him, and if they act, he realizes he still has those people. I you mean, know what I mean? Yeah, but it's is it a case of you know is this the vocal minority that's doing and acting out? I mean, we saw what took place on January six. Certainly, everybody that was there going into unauthorized areas, impeding the basic functions of government. Those didn't speak to the majority of people per se that might have been there to heal Trump's you know, final speech as president. Right. It was certainly a fraction of those people. But again, why did those people end up from here to there? Right. No, I agree. No, no, I get what you're saying. I just think for him personally, with his mindset, I think he's trying to rally his troops because he feels like he's losing power and popularity. And I feel like that's where a lot of that comes from. Well, CPAC was a big fucking flop. Oh, that was bad for him. He looked... Crowd shots? He looked like he was... Very uncomfortable throughout that whole thing, too. Like, he was, oh, like, sure sweating and stuff. And, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> like, he's mad. I'm sure he was pissed. You know, the other big thing that he has on the horizon here, too, is the D.C. investigation on January 6th. Now, Mark Meadows and other various aides that were protected previously in initial subpoenas that they put out have been ordered to testify. So, now they're going to have to testify. It's not as if we haven't, like, basically heard it from every point of view. You know, whether it was aides, it was... You know, volunteers, it was people up in internships, you know, that they'd spoken with. I mean, we've heard this thing from just about every angle that there is to. I think they're just trying to, I guess they're just trying to like find something that's that one big final blow, that knockout punch, if you will. I think any indictment or anything, though, is going to hurt Trump for the election. So I'm for it. It ought to. Yeah. But again, back to your point, like, is he encouraging his base and what does that base look like and how many people has he you know swindled into believing that 
the election was stolen and, you know, all these various claims. Right. I know a lot of what we say is in fear of what we already saw. Yeah. And I know a lot of what he's saying is to create fear, to regenerate those events. Exactly. So we have to also talk about our, our friends in the Republican Party up in, uh, on the national level doing this parents' bill of rights. Oh, Jesus Christ. So this all goes into this big phenomenon, this movement of don't talk about sexuality in the classroom. Don't talk about gender identity. Don't talk about, I uh, can't use the word gay, you know, like the don't say gay bills and things like don't that. Don't talk about menstrual cycles. Yeah, don't talk about menstrual cycles you know just like the most absurd archaic things in that the world. we should be educating our children on <laughs> mind you that they come they pa- they passed this in the house here in the last 24 hours and uganda just passed imprisonment for lgbtq plus people yeah uganda cheering, cheering just passed cheering and singing their national anthem as they passed that bill i mean it was disgusting man yeah and i mean like they were obviously an overwhelming majority and they were happy about it that's very concerning you know what i found funny about that too is george santos of all people (laughs) wanted to introduce a bill to refrain uh, aid from countries that are anti-lgbqt plus now he identifies as such and is a gay man that's clearly yeah yeah in our you know united states government former drag queen he is also a guy (laughs) who has lied countless times i mean to call him a habitual liar would be almost like too light well george santos isn't george santos right that's not even really his name so Uh, he is a character and a half yeah man and some of the lies that this guy has come up with just like look at the unfathomable amount of examples of things that he's just made up is crazy yeah and it's crazy that he's gotten as far as he has yeah it's insane in government that man was voted and put into office can you believe that oh yeah (laughs) i mean if trump was elected president of the united states i believe it well anyway but that's my personal opinion (laughs) but yeah the criticism in our overtures toward george santos specifically is just the fact that he's a liar and he tries to pretend to be somebody that he isn't versus who he is and usually people with those types of motives are up to no good. Oh yeah. So yeah. it has nothing to do with what who he chooses w- to sleep with or how the way he dresses. I would or take anything a like that. safe bet and say that about seventy percent of the conservative party is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, right. and, and there's they, a they, lot of Democrats too. Oh yeah, and, and the, their ideology does not align with their political or party. You know what I mean? Well, or their political or sp- their public spoken political viewpoints. You know what I mean? I will point to this example. So Russell Brand in the last few weeks has been making quite the stir. Going yeah on various you know media channels and and shows and stuff so he did an appearance on bill maher he also on real time with bill maher on hbo which he also did an appearance on tucker carlson's show yeah can't remember the third i think joe rogan maybe in the last couple weeks and the various things that he brought up across those mediums and stuff and it was a criticism of american government in general right but he also did breakdowns of like how many lobbyists, how many Wall Street, how many people in Wall Street are in the pockets of the Democratic Party? Right. Or how many of the pharmaceutical companies in Democrats' pockets? Right. A lot of the criticisms that some of the people on the right are making about the Democratic Party are valid because they pretend to be people that they're not, back to your comment. Exactly. Because they try to act like they're for the small guy. You know, it's like Biden campaigning on all these things that have not come to fruition and don't appear to be coming to fruition anytime soon. Right. As well. You know, it's people are tired of being told one thing and something completely opposite happening or just not happening at all. Right. And I think that's why there's so much mistrust and, you know, disgust with the government. And that's why there's so much turmoil, belief in rallying around Trump, which is ridiculous to say, but it's it's a fact because people... 
and it might it might be the lowest common denominator. I don't know. I can't tell you right. for sure, but uh, I can tell you that he definitely has a way of touching a button with certain people to enact them in motion. Right. You know. Yeah. We bring up these current event type things, of course, uh, you know, and the more political things to make people more aware. And we understand that life gets people down and sometimes they intentionally don't listen to that stuff. Uh, but I think it is important to be at least aware of like, you know, the main talking points yeah. because, you know, we're getting to that season where we might have to worry about, you know, holidays and drunk uncle coming around and giving his opinions. And <laughs> you might need to just know that there's other sane voices out there. So, yeah, that is us. Or at least we try to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, I know there's not a lot of us. So <laughs> so we try to band together. And uh, if, if nothing else, this podcast at least lets us uh, get some of that out. <laughs> so, folks, with that, we are going to go off to our special guest spotlight with Melissa Powers of the band Sisser. Stick around after the break. Welcome to the ATI Podcast. Barrett here, Josh as usual, and we have a very special guest with us, Melissa Powers. How are you doing, Melissa? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. We are pleased to have you. Absolutely. (laughs) We really wanted to get into a lot of what you got going on musically and that sort of thing with you to bring a spotlight on your talent. I think that I first came across your stuff just by seeing like band posters and stuff up in St. Louis when I was at, you know, various venues, specifically the Heavy Anchor. I have some friends that ran some St. Louis bands and I I had saw the band name and I was like, what's this about? Uh, It caught me right away. And uh, I, I know it's also the name of a town in Illinois. I don't know if that's necessarily where you guys got the band name. I'm not trying to jump <laughs> the shark too much here. But uh, I was like, oh, I'll check this out because it seemed like, you know, you, you were on a bill with other bands that I would probably like and that sort of thing. So checked out your music through that avenue and then discovered the fact that you were a solo artist also. And then thirdly, my wife's really into like roller skating and stuff. And so I saw some of your roller skating reels too. And I was like, oh, I think she and my wife would be best friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we have to get her on the call. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that's kind of how you landed on our radar. And I was like, you know, and they got a chance to check out the music and, and thought that our audience for sure would be interested in everything that you Absolutely. got going on and hearing from you. Well, thank you. That's awesome. And that's good to hear because you never know sometimes like is the art of making a show poster and actually like going through with like hanging them up places right. is it worth it anymore with, you know, right. just being a digital world, right? But uh, no, so that's cool to hear. Yeah, I understand that totally. And I, I've been out of the game a little bit myself. It's been some years since I was performing live with people and uh, certainly before COVID and all that stuff. And I, I've seen it change a lot in my lifetime even. And yeah, those are questions that I ask myself, like even if I had a band back together again, like is papering places, is that a thing anymore? You know, <laughs> yeah. like going to handing out show flyers, is that a thing still? Is Do people receive that well? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know. I'm on... I'm too scared to just go and like do, you know, hand out sure. flyers, stand outside yeah. the venue. Like, oh my gosh, I remember going like a 
maps and stuff when I was a kid. And, you know, kids would be out there with their CDs, just like, here you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen to our demo. Yeah. I, I do remember people out with portable CD players and they'd have, you know, a burned copy of a demo or two of their songs and they'd, and they'd even have free tickets sometimes. Uh, it kind of caught me off guard because I hadn't seen anybody doing that in a long time. And uh, after I came out of the Kurt Vile show last fall at the pageant, there was a guy out there doing that very thing. And I was like, boy, I have not seen this in forever. Yeah. Uh, he was like, oh, I'll, I'll give you free tickets. Just come listen to my band. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I just kind of wanted to start the conversation off. Are you, are you a, a St. Louis native? Have you lived in St. Louis all your life? I consider myself one. Pretty much, yeah. Like, I've lived here since I was 10, but I wasn't born here. I was born in North Carolina, and then I moved to Kansas for a while. Um, you know, well, I moved, but my parents moved to Kansas right. and I went with them. And right. yeah, and then we up here. They're from here. So, like, we have a lot of family in the area. And so, you know, I kind of feel like I've always lived here, but technically, not true. <laughs> yeah. We'll just say it's true for the sake of this call. How's that? <laughs> yeah. There we go. So did, I guess you graduated from school in St. Louis and all that fun stuff too? I did. I I was a Eureka High School kid. So, okay. you know, uh, depending on who you ask, either trailer trash or, oh, Eureka. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> now, when did you start to feel like you might have some musical talent or that was something that you wanted to pursue. Now I know like a lot of people when they're little kids, they sing and stuff like that. And, and you being a singer as well, but I know the guitar piece is just as important for you. Like the, the fact that you play guitar and you write your own music too. Like when did you start to feel like, you know, I might do something more than sing around the house or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, I definitely was a singer just, uh, as a kid, you know, like, uh, annoying, the crap out of my parents probably like in the car with my headphones on and singing probably like Mariah Carey or something really obnoxious that I couldn't even <laughs> manage at the time. Uh, meanwhile, they're only hearing the voice and not like the music or anything, <laughs> just, ah, you know, but um, so I mean, I definitely just grew up that way, but the guitar came in surprisingly, like I was 16, um, which I guess I say surprisingly, uh, it's surprising for me because my whole family is musical particularly on my mom's side um and my grandpa and my uncles they had guitars um and when we would go over to you know grandpa's house and grandma's house for holidays or whatever they had them like hanging on the wall and i would kind of always look at them and just be curious about them um and then eventually i was 16 i think maybe i don't know if it was that i was like reached a certain age or if it was if it just felt like time but my grandpa was just like here just have this one so he gave me yeah. one um just like an old kind of like sears acoustic guitar and then oh, uh yeah. yeah yeah and then actually my uncles started giving me some of their old guitars too because they're just like constantly collecting gear and you know like rotating stuff in and out and so <clears throat> if something cheap they would just give it to me so like i have this you can't i don't think you can't see it back there but i have like this blue this like teal blue skylark which was like also a sears guitar it's like an electric guitar yeah. but that was my first electric guitar so it was it was funny nice. but yeah it was when i was in like 16 17 around that age and i started then um and i wasn't like super i wasn't nearly as serious about it as i am now but i guess that's the benefit sure. of being an adult 
<laughs> right. Yeah, right. right. That and the yeah. fact that I think a lot of kids pick up a lot of things and maybe move on to the next thing sometimes. So even whenever you're picking up something like that, you're not sure if it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life or anything. Yeah. Is there anything uh, as far as a band or an artist that like really motivated you? Like, hey, I need to learn to play this song or, or I want to play guitar because of this artist? Mm. That's a good question. I don't know if it was because of an artist, but I did just like rock and roll and like I liked guitar based music and particularly like electric guitar based music. And actually, you know, gosh, in the in the 2000s and like, you know, it was kind of like the emo, the emo scene was happening. Like when I was sure. a kid, I definitely participated in that. And uh, there was there's actually- guilty. Yeah, yeah. Guilty. Right. No, but <laughs> yeah. there's there were like no females. I mean, there were a few like I could, but I could count them on my hand. And a lot of them were just, were singers and not necessarily guitar players. So, uh, there, like it was actually not really until like later in my life. And then I kind of got into retroactively got into like nineties music. And then there were a lot more like, I guess, guitar influences that I found at that time. But yeah. What were, what were some of those bands in the nineties that really started to hook you that you got into? Mm. Uh, so just the whole Riot Girl movement was a, was um, a big deal. Like um, you know the Bikini Kills and and Sleater Kinney's uh, of that yeah. time. And um, but probably my biggest influence ever is always I always say PJ Harvey. She's uh, very cool. I remember like the first time I heard her uh, was on the radio. Actually, in the '90s, and this so this kind of came full circle. But I was listening to you know the point uh as as one does in st louis um right yeah yeah. don't got many options especially back then (laughs) yeah exactly like there wasn't uh spotify so (laughs) you know right um yeah it was like the morning and and you know you when you had the god i'm sounding really old the analog like (laughs) digital alarm clock you know and you could like set it to the radio station and i had put it on that radio station because my neighbor recommended it and then um the alarm came off one day and it's pj harvey and it's down by the water and it's like the part where she's like whispering about to the fish about bringing back her daughter it's like really strange and i was terrified (laughs) and (laughs) like okay i I don't know if i want to listen to that station anymore like what the heck was that and then like years later came back to it and i was like oh my gosh i love it (laughs) yeah that's awesome kind of grew on you yeah definitely Definitely. Nine-year-old Melissa was not ready. Yeah. <laughs> PJ Harvey is one of those artists that I think a lot of people, they've heard her, but they don't realize it's her, mm-hmm. you know, and she's got definitely has a cult following in and of itself as well. But I think like the thing that really landed with me and PJ Harvey, and again, this is in my later years, I was watching a From the Basement performance with various artists. Radiohead was like a big, big reason I was watching it. There was mm-hmm. a Queens of the Stone Age one. And that sort of thing. And I ended up like stopping and watching. I was like, you know, I've always heard PJ Harvey this, PJ Harvey that. I never like really gave her a chance. And this is like in the mid 2000s, I want to say, like 05 or 06 or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to check out this PJ Harvey performance. And it was phenomenal. Top notch, yeah. It was as good as anybody else's performance throughout that series. And just a really incredible artist, you know, without question. And I I wouldn't have guessed that that had been one of your influences, to be honest with you. So, Oh, really? Well, hey, I'm... That's honestly, that's, that's good. Cause I feel like I don't want him to be too obvious. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't, you want to be your own thing, right? So yeah. Yeah. Some of them are fairly obvious, but you know, it's okay. I can handle that. But yeah. yeah. So would you say mostly those, those people in the nineties that you kind of mentioned, the Slater, Kenny's PJ Harvey, those folks are a lot of 
what inspired you to become a musician in some of your songwriting? Yeah, yeah, definitely um, the songwriting aspect. And then, yeah, the, you know, um, other than that, like I just have um, just, uh, I don't, I don't want to say it's a drive, but I guess it's, you know, I'm not, okay, I'm not comparing myself to the sun, but like the sun just shines, like it just is. And like people, think like oh the sun is like doing this this special thing but no it's just like doing what it right. does or like, you know the clouds in the sky they're just doing what they do and like i'm that's right literally just what i do and it's what i it's like the way that i know how to live so you know i almost i don't i really don't know what else i i like would have done or could have done with, with my at least my extra time like i have a day job you know, cause sure. it's, it's hard bills. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Life has a way of, uh, keep bringing them bills back for whatever reason that is. Right. So how long has Sisser been a band? How long have you guys been together? Longer than it seems to me. Uh, we formed in late 2016. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So that, that was kind of like, it was like late 2016 and then we had a few good, you know, a few years and we kind of put our first, well, we kind of found our sound and put our first EP out um, that was called Haunted Rooms. Uh, and then, you know, it was like the pandemic happened after that. Yeah. So we lost, it felt, it felt like we lost a couple years there, you know, like sure. we're coming back. Now, but, but yeah, so surprisingly... 2016. Were you in many bands before that up until that point? Or is this kind of like your first full band project? Yeah. Uh, so I have been in a few, a few bands. Um, I was in a band in high school that shall remain nameless, but those <laughs> who were involved know who they are. <laughs> it was fun. I was namely like in another band called Peach in St. Louis for a few years before that and that was actually how I met the drummer that's in Sister now is we were in that band together okay. along with my yeah interestingly so we cool. we met in a band and that was the band that we met in and then now the drummer from that band is in Sister so very cool yeah how did Sister come together uh, as a band so um the drummer and I like I mentioned we knew each other and then also the lead guitar player Shauna and um our bass player Bruce they also knew each other they like went to high school together they were in a band in like high school together which is um oh, wow. really fun yeah but Shauna moved away for a while I think Mark and Bruce actually knew each other through mutual friends somehow too so the drummer and bassist and they were actually getting together to just kind of jam on some stuff with another friend um and that turned out to like not be a thing but then Mark got a hold of me and said, Hey, I've been playing bass with this guy. Do you want to maybe like, you know, jam together? So yeah. I was like, Yeah, let's let's do it. That would be fun. Um, I had been working on some songs and and kind of talking with him about that anyway. Um, so I was like, Yeah, let's do it. And it worked out. And then eventually Bruce was like, Hey, uh, my friend Shauna just moved back to town and you know, she is a solo artist and she plays guitar and bass and keys she plays all kinds of stuff and she's a recording engineer but he was like you know so we could have her come over and see if it, yeah <laughs> right well so, uh yeah he said we could have her come over and see if it works out and it's funny because to this day she'll be like i really felt like that was like kind of a disaster on my part and we're like shauna you're great <laughs> so um <laughs> we were all immediately like yes okay of course this is it so but yeah it was funny because i guess she didn't like feel super 
<laughs> awesome about it when she left. <laughs> when I was looking through the band credits too, I had noticed that she had worn several hats and in listening to some of the discography as well, I noticed, you know, like organ parts and things of that ilk too throughout the music. And I'm always a big fan of like organ and rock. Like yeah. I think it sound it it has a very special, unique sound and can really add to a band sound too. And some of my more favorite tracks were some of her key parts in particular. Very cool. Awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, she's multi uh, talented artist. And yeah, I also love the keys. Like it's just a, and especially, I mean, you can do so much with them these days, Absolutely. like just digital keys. And um, I mean, you can make it sound like anything. And so it's kind of, right. I, I like that. Too. It's cool. It really fills out the sound, I think. Yeah, I agree for sure. How did you guys decide and land on the name Cicer? We, so it's a made up name. And I think that was one of them that was just like, we like the sound of this kind of word, but like hisser or kisser or like, but we didn't yeah. want any of those exact words. Um, so this was, was like, well, what if we just like really replace it with an S and I don't know. That could be an option. And then actually what happened was I think we wound up like throwing them all in a hat and then we just like pulled out a bunch of words and how do we feel about (laughs) these? And then eventually we landed on that one. It was a weird story, but yeah, it's kind of like, how do you pick a, how do you pick a name though? as like four people and it's really, I don't know. I know people do it all the time, but it's to me, it was a really, daunting process so i'm like i don't know get out the hat not like the papers like what do i don't know let's figure out a system here it's also it seems like everybody's done that like you know what i mean sure. you find a name that you like and you're like okay i'm gonna get on google oh shit there's already been three bands with that name right. <laughs> you know what i mean so that's that's cool that you guys did it that way oh yeah it, it's so funny like there's like it feels like there's nothing left you know which is funny like you'll hear bands come up with these most simple names and they'll be like a new band and you'll think like hasn't somebody already done this? Like how right. has somebody not already done this? Right. You know, too. Yeah. I find myself asking yeah. that question sometimes, but yeah, sometimes people put too much into a band name and some people, sometimes people don't put enough into a band name. I feel like, mm. like I assume that you guys got the name from the town in Illinois just because, you know, Illinois is just, you know, where it is right next to us. And, you know, somebody might've lived there, or had an aunt there or something like that. So yeah. to hear that that's how you came up with the name is hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, Funny that you mentioned that because after that happened, we have driven past that town <laughs> um, like on our way to sh- multiple times, and every time we're like, Sassar. "You need to steal that uh, <laughs> that sign leading into that town." Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know. I mean, no, like, don't, oh, yeah, steal no don't steal anything. Yeah, we would. That is say, a crime. Yeah. Don't steal nothing. We're anti-crime on yeah. this podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Never would would do that. So I know you talked about, you know, the band starting out, a lot of that was, you know, jamming around as most bands do. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, kind of like, has the songwriting process changed over the years? Or is this uh, collaborative in the sense that, hey, I got this idea for a song, so everybody brings their idea to practice. I'm always curious in asking members of bands, like how the songwriting process comes together, because honestly, most people don't even always have the same answers. So just curious how a scissor approaches yeah, I think you're right. It is different um, in every group. This group, uh, we, so we're definitely collaborative and I, it does ha- happen, like you said, where everybody can bring an idea. So um, 
you know, if Bruce has a bass part um, that he wants to like bring to the table, you know, where we'll build off of whatever we have, basically. Cool. Yeah. A lot of times for this group, um, it, it does kind of tend to be me kind of noodling on stuff and like, I'll just like write it on guitar and record you know, if there's like an A, a B, C part or whatever, like if once I get to that point, I'm like, okay, I'll I'll do a demo and send it to the group, and then everybody can kind of think on it a bit, and then we can kind of get together and work it out. But um, so that's how it happens most of the time, but not all the time. And like so, you know, like on our first EP, Black Queen was a a key idea that Sean Shauna had, um, or. Um, we've had some like drum ideas that Mark's had that we've turned into songs and I've got bass, bass voice memos in my phone too. <laughs> like, so, like little, just, uh, riffs and stuff we need to do things with, but yeah. Very cool. And actually it's funny that you mentioned that when I had listened to your most recent album from start to finish, actually, uh, just to freshen back up on it, uh, day and nights. And I noticed that some songs to me seem to be centered around a different instrument on different tracks so Mm. and and it's funny that you mentioned the drum thing because there was rhythmically a very cool drum thing that was going on and i don't recall the track name now off the top of my head but i just remembered that he was kind of playing on the offbeat and traditionally you'd be playing on on the on top of the beat and that i'm a drummer so that's why Mm. it stood out to me and but you know this but it was like i was like wow that's interesting the way to play that and that's actually very cool and you know anybody else would have played this straight but he spiced it up like big time and I was like, wow, that's, I mean, that, that really landed with me. And so again, you know, it's like these different elements of the band, I feel like that you guys have though, too, that kind of helps set yourselves apart. And that's what you have to do nowadays is to be interesting and catch people's attention as you know, to have something that's, that's different about you, whether it's on purpose or not. But yeah, it's funny that you say that everybody's bringing their ideas to the table. Cause I do kind of notice from track to track, sometimes maybe there's a bass driven part or a drum driven part, as I just mentioned, or guitar, or even some of those organ parts I mentioned earlier. It's very cool. Yeah. Nice. That's spoken like a true drummer, (laughs) for sure. I will have to tell Mark you said that. He'll be, he'll be excited about that. Awesome. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you probably heard like, there's one song on the the new album that Shauna Shauna sings on, uh, sings, sings the, the lead vocal, you know? So like, and so she wrote that one and I just added to that. So yeah, it can really, and also the funny thing too is, <clears throat> our drummer and bass player also play guitar so okay like everybody kind of you know yeah. and anybody can have an idea sure yeah yeah or i'll even you know with my ignorance about rhythm i'll i'll do the obnoxious thing and i'll be like what about a, a no oh, but yeah. like you know not like that but <laughs> like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty that's pretty common speak in bands for sure yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> somehow we figure things out i don't know whatever you guys got together was there any like bands that you would say that were kind of like big brother bands like to use an easy terminology or an encouragement inspiration to you guys kind of help lead you guys along the way I, I mean i know you guys had previous experiences but i know there's also sometimes getting started as a band and you know playing decent shows you got to know somebody or kind of have that guiding influence. Yeah. Well, it, so it was definitely helpful for us having already been in some bands um, and, you know, not just myself, but, you know, Bruce has been in like a million bands. <laughs> it's like one of our, it's our kind of like one of our running jokes. Um, <laughs> so he's like, you know, he's still got all the, he still had all these connections. It hadn't been that long, I think, even since his last band. And so we did have a lot of uh, folks 
just kind of help us out. I think, you know, uh, a big deal for us, at least initially, was getting out of town. And we had um, some really good buddies in uh, a band called the Vaudevillains. They're um, outside of Chicago. And um, another buddy band called Terminus Victor. Um, and we really, uh, we kind of all like, would get together and do like these little mini tours and each like hit up one another's respective cities. Um, and everyone was just really supportive and it was just really nice, like nice family kind of vibe. Um, and so they, they were definitely, a, um, I think a big help to us, just not just logistically, but like emotionally too, you know, and just like being encouraging and stuff. So. Yeah, that that's definitely like I know if I've ever tracked things out before, like I bounce it off the buddy bands, regardless if it's been, you know, they're 100 miles away or whatever the case is. It's nice to have at least those people to bounce ideas off of. You know, that's a huge tool in your toolbox as a musician whenever you have those type of relationships and connections. For Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I spent some time listening to also was the Haunted Rooms live stream that you guys had up on Bandcamp. And is that something that you guys did during COVID? It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. So. That was wild because, yeah, we couldn't have um, an album release uh, for obvious reasons. Um, right. And we were like, well, we had, uh, so it, we like, oh my goodness, we just finished. I think I had just finished tracking the last of the vocals for that album in March, like literally the week that the whole world shut down. Um, so, yeah. so, um, yeah, so we had already had this album, uh, like, and this was like at the end of that year and we were like, well, we can just wait, but then, you know, like that's not, that didn't feel like a good strategy because, um, just sitting on it and, uh, not doing anything with it. I don't know. It just didn't seem like that was going to help us out really. So we went ahead and put it out and we did the the live stream because we thought, well, we can do this. And we had um, some dear friends of ours help us out. Uh, our buddy Jeff Fields brought over some extra mics and like cameras and stuff um, and played cameraman for us. And then um, our friend, uh, oh gosh, uh, Bart, did he who does sound at Off-Broadway, he also... Um, or uh some mics and kind of like manned manned the uh the boards there while while we did that which really yeah. nice because that was uh one of the logistical difficulties that we found ourselves running into like well we're we gonna do this right. when we have to play so <laughs> and we can't have too many people here so you know how can we like keep it small and get sure. some help yeah, I, I mean, I think the the recordings ended up sounding great as well because you know I was listening to it. Obviously, it's denoted that it's live whenever you go to the Bandcamp page. You know, some bands they have it when they're live, and sometimes they don't. To be honest, right. and I didn't sound. Like, I mean, you guys sounded exactly like you did on your recordings. Oh. So that's that's a tip of the cap too. You know. And uh, yeah, you guys were able to produce that with your little live set as well. And that, that, that's definitely, you know, another feather in your guys' mm. cat for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have to give most of the credit there to Shauna. Cause like I said, she's a, a recording. She, she was a sound engineer for venues. Um, and then now she's a recording engineer um, for herself and for some other folks. She did the, they need machines to fly album recently. Um, if you've heard of them at all, um, they're kind of new. You should, if not, definitely check it out. There's yeah, a plug. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's good. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's does, handy to have in your band for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Does she track your guys' stuff for you? Uh, is that how you guys record? So typically? she did. She did these. Well, how many did record? Like eight songs. We did this um, thing. Uh, it. This is another story, but we went out to this cabin in the woods and we were like, we're going to record for a weekend. Um, and we did, and it was great. Um, but we got snowed in, uh, like, like a serious snow. Oh, sure. And we were like, um, it was like a thick, thick sheet of ice, uh, for at least three days while we were there and we couldn't get out. <laughs> um, and we were like, thank you. We have oh, yeah. all this. We brought a lot of food. Um, we eventually ran out of beer, and then that was what prompted us to get out. And thankfully, we could we could actually get out that day, and we had like one more day there. But anyway, that whole story just to say that she recorded um, that session for us, and our our drummer is also an engineer too. So um, they both kind of double teamed that, and um, that was great, and it was really fun. Uh, and then we decided that we didn't want to do it again because the blessing and curse of being able to do your own stuff is like you can take your time with it and you can make as many changes as you want and et cetera et cetera but then yeah the flip side of that is is you can make as you can just keep going forever right right. and and like in your perfection and never actually get it done whereas like if somebody else is involved you at least like have a little bit of shame or at least there's like money on the line (laughs) or deadlines to meet and that sort of stuff yeah yeah exactly yeah, it does. I always find that fascinating too, because you know I, I even have friends that like record their own stuff as well that have went to school, you know, and engineers and things mm. like that, and they will pick pick apart to death their own recordings. But you know, if they're doing it for somebody else, you know, they might move it out the door a little bit quicker or whatever the case is. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I mean, like you can anybody could pull the uh, what is it uh, the Jim Morrison thing or Jimi Hendrix or Brian Wilson from the from the Beach Boys. Where you just go mad, uh, just re-recording, 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 re-recording. <laughs> Tommy takes, over and yeah. Over. yeah, yeah, and then attitudes and spirits in the band dwindle, dwindle. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. And you know, those are the successful ones too. Can you imagine um, some like great value brand Beach Boys out there, like I don't know, <laughs> like the Sandmen, and they they did the same thing. <laughs> their album never even saw the light of yeah. day and they're just like why did we spend so much time on that <laughs> right. right for sure so i wanted to lean into uh day and night specifically it came out in the fall of last year right for you yes it did wow which is hard to believe but yeah it was like last october the material that's specifically on that album did you guys sit down and say we're going to write an album's worth of material or you guys were just writing and this is the result of that talk to me about how the material for the album came together yeah so we were just writing um i think for a long time particularly you know during the covid times as well it was like the thing that we could do um we had our little kind of bubble and we were like well we we need we need something like to do just to um, keep our spirits up a little bit. And so that kind of was the thing that we did. And um, we, we were just writing and then eventually it was like, well, we have more than an EP here. Um, And we actually had to cut a few songs uh, for the album. So um, yeah, eventually though, we were just like, well, I think this is a full length and and we're going to do that. And then we, yeah, we had some late entries too. So, 
Um, like I mentioned, we cut a few songs. Um, the replacement, the reasons that we cut those songs were like songs that we wrote at the last minute. Uh, actually, California, and which is the song that Shauna sings, and um, which like me. Um, and so those came in and others went out and it was like, okay, that's it. That's the album. And then that, and then we just went for it. So. And with this entire album, you guys put the, you know, tracking and uh, production in other hands, right? Or did you guys do some of that at your own? No, we sure did. We sure did. We went to um, Ryan Wasaba uh, at Bird Cloud um, in Edwardsville. I don't know if you're, familiar with him but he was like in so many dynamos back in the day yeah yeah he's just a really ta- i mean he's a really talented musician and he and also um engineer um and so and then producer as well because um he can also kind of play anything and he just like he just gets stuff um so yeah no we went there uh it was great highly recommend i i didn't realize he was actually uh doing that like recording for other bands and oh, everything. so that's, that's oh really yeah cool. absolutely. Uh, so, so many dynamos was one of my favorite bands back in the day as far as local bands for no sure yeah. i don't know that we ever played with them but i've seen them several times they played with you know some of my friends bands right i think the last time i saw them perform was they opened for foals i want to say at the firebird oh wow what a show yeah so that was like 12 years ago oh, more yeah wow say. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he was, he's not been in the band for a while, but they, they, I think they still, they still did stuff for a while. I think they still are doing something, yeah, and I I think some of the guys from the Gorge are in a band with some of the members of So Many mm-hmm. Dynamos. Mm-hmm. I saw some per- video clip of them performing together. They all, like, wear, like, white work suits, <laughs> but it was awesome, yeah. and I heard it. I was like, wow, have I not heard of this oh, yeah, before? You're this is amazing. Th- yeah. Thorax, yeah, yeah Thorax is awesome, yeah. Yes, Thorax. I, right. I think I was at, at one of those shows, at least. <laughs> yeah, I know they opened for somebody at Del Mar Hall here recently, and I can't remember who it was, but that's I think that's where I saw oh, the yeah, video from. Yeah. yeah, they are cool. I wanted to mention, too, I do like the artwork on the album. Mm. Now, I'm looking at it digitally on my phone, so I can only see as, as so much in detail uh, without it being too pixelated. I think like when I saw it at a glance at first, I thought, oh, that's the arch. But then I got to looking at it a little bit more and there's some pop art elements going on there. And it almost looks like maybe some like, I don't, maybe Middle Eastern statues or I can't, it, I can't make out the definition real well, but uh, the artwork like on bands albums is something that I still to this day, you know, gravitate towards. Cause when I was a kid going to Walmart and buying the cassette singles, you know, the CD singles, that my uh, grandma would let me get or my mom would let me get. They were like $2. Like the album art was key in my, in making my selections at that age. For sure. Because there was only so many of them that they had, like you could listen to the demo of at the little listening station. So outward uh, album artwork probably guided like 75% of my purchases. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's, that's fair. I'm the same way. You know, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but everybody does. Um, Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh no, that was um it, so that's a collage by um one of Shauna's Shauna's friends uh named Christopher Erickson, I think is his actual last name, but he goes by Christopher Ilth, I L T H. I mean you can find him on Instagram and stuff too. Um but he does these collages. Um and so it's an actual piece that Shauna has and we we okay. actually, it was funny that the arch is even in there because we just kind of picked 
<laughs> from like stuff that he had. We were like, hey, we really like your, you know, like your stuff. And obviously they were friends. So we're like, you know, can we use this? And um, yeah, there was definitely some conversation around like, do we want to use the thing with the arch? Because it's pretty on the nose. Seems yeah. Obvious or not? But, yeah. <laughs> then also, you know, it's like, well, people who don't live here will see this, and it is kind of like a unique thing to our city. Right. So whatever. And then in the context of all the other stuff, like you said, I'm like, I don't mind because, like, yeah, I see that, but then I go, oh, but what else is here? So yeah, it, it's definitely something that drew my attention without question. Used to guide my purchasing. I know it. Oh, listening yeah. choices without question. I noticed too that you guys had just gotten. I guess a shipment of vinyl in what, have, is this, you guys finally receiving your vinyl for this album or is this like second pressing? This is the, it's the first pressing. So vinyl was just on a really bad backlog there for a while and it's getting better now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we didn't want to wait um, again. Uh, coming, I guess we're an impatient band. It might be uh, the themes like actually like <laughs> not wanting to wait to put it out for like another six months because it was six months before he um, got them. Uh, we were just like, well, we'll do a pre-order. And then, yeah, we just got them in the mail now. And we actually just sent out our first batch. Um, so those are all... Uh, at the post office now um at least post office awesome yeah so like yeah we're super excited about it and they turned out really really nice um and there's like an insert with all the lyrics and so like um the artwork is is a real part of that and and we we wanted to do that because we do also like that experience of like having oh, the yeah. having like something to just interact with in a in a i guess quite literally more tangible way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we're big physical media media advocates uh, as well. We've actually got an arm of our podcast division called Waxing On with RJ, and it's uh, Rich Jackson and his brother who do our show occasionally as well as co-hosts. Yeah. They uh, they collect physical media. They'll do reviews of music, and then they'll all show the artwork and and th- and they'll really get into like the liner notes and aspects of you know what we used to do as kids when we would buy albums and that sort of thing yeah. and, and learn, you know, at least in my teen later teenage years, paid attention to who was producing what album. Okay. Rick Rubin did all these awesome artists in the eighties, like the, you know, the BC boys yeah. and, and so on. So like now you can start to draw, draw a correlation with the band recording with him in success or Steve Albini or, right. you know, pull a producer out, but yeah. anywho, but yeah, like to actually have that experience, I think it definitely speaks to, people of our generation and older, but uh, I think it's really making a comeback for younger folks as well. Yeah. They said uh, on the news the other day that vinyl had finally surpassed CD sales for the first time, I guess like kind of since CDs overtook vinyl, you know, however years ago, yeah. which, uh, so that was wild to hear. I was also kind of surprised. I was like, people are still buying CDs, you know, but <laughs> that's me just yeah. because I don't have, I have a CD player and it's in my car and that's it. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Me too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are doing better than me because I ain't got one at all. Yeah. It's the only place I have one now. So yeah, maybe your car is too new. <laughs> yeah what's kidding. wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> don't want to forget mentioning this too so i saw the record space has your guys's record so if anybody in the st louis area is looking to go out and purchase the record post this show and checking it out i know as far as a physical place you can go purchase it at the record space and cheap plug right now we're hearing about two or three weeks we're gonna, gonna be, be there in uh 
episode with the record space also. So yeah, it's gonna yeah. be awesome. I saw. Yeah, we're doing an on site there, so we're excited about that. I know people can purchase it on your Bandcamp too, right? Yep, the they vinyl? sure can. Sister.bandcamp.com, and then um, it's twenty bucks. You know, um, it's not it's not outrageous. Um, and then we. Uh, it's a pretty decent price for vinyl nowadays. Yeah, we tried. Yeah. We tried. Um, oh, dude, know. it's outrageous. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah it's it. not expensive. It's not. It's not super cheap to make. So. But right. so yeah, that's what I mean. Not your album. Yeah, actually making vinyl. I know it has something to do with like oil or something. I think. Oh, yeah, too, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's really outrageous to get it done. Yeah, I totally know what you meant. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. wild. <laughs> so they're there, and then um, like you mentioned at the record space, and then we are also going it's not officially announced yet but i think i can say it uh we're gonna be playing at uh vintage vinyl for record store day and so that's awesome yeah hell yeah yeah that'll be great and then we may even have um another kind of little thing with um music record shop which is in midtown but they've been closed for a little bit i guess um is what i understand but we might be doing a little something with them too so cool stay tuned very cool. hey, we're, yeah. we're always looking for recommendations on record place record stores I, I don't think my wife wants me to go to too many more but uh <laughs> but yeah we there's a, a good record store i'm not saying that they're like hard to find but once you find a good one it's you know yeah you want to frequent that place without mm-hmm. question oh uh, yeah so i wanted to talk about some of your solo work too and, and not pass that up by any means I know as far as your band camp and stuff is concerned, you've got a lot of singles out mm-hmm. and I can tell, uh, you know, a little bit of a difference between, you know, sister and, and your solo work, but it's not like egregious. Like you wouldn't listen to the two things and be like, Oh, I can't believe this is the same person. But that being yeah. said, I, I like, I don't know if this is just me hearing it, but some of like the riffs you write and stuff, I feel like are kind of like doomy at times, <laughs> especially like a little down pace, you know, which, I, I love. Yeah, you're speaking yeah. our language with yeah, that. Yeah, you're speaking our language with that stuff for sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was like, you know, I, I I could definitely notice that difference. Not to say there's plenty of that still yet in Sister as well, but there's it's it's definitely you know in your solo stuff. I can say emphatically, I, I noticed right away. So that landed with me pretty heavy. And I gotta nice. ask you, like, I mean, obviously you're writing this stuff, but when it comes to the other instrumentation that's on those tracks and stuff that you have produced out there. Are you doing all of the instruments or are you employing other people's talents to do some of the instrumentation? So I wish I was doing all of them. No, <laughs> <laughs> that was so again, um, recorded with Ryan at the same place. And he, uh, he plays the, uh, bass and drums on that. Okay. Stuff. That's cool. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, so, and he might've had, I think like there's like, he had like one little kind of, um, like slide kind of slide guitar part but other than other than that like all the guitars are mine um and then he plays the drums and bass and then occasionally like a little part like that or like there's a little keyboard part on one thing um but yeah do you feel as though like when you're writing songs you're like okay this is a melissa song and this is a sister song or like how is that creative material getting spread out i can almost always tell like kind of as it's coming out, like, I'm like, oh, okay, this is probably a Melissa song or this is probably a sister song. And usually that's just a matter of like, um, I guess the level of complexity that's needed to finish it out, you know? So like, if yeah. it's kind of something that I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is just kind of like a big driving thing, you know, like I can probably do that myself. Um, or if the lyrical content is kind of per- personal, I guess, or just like, like, 
I would feel so like one of my songs is like woman and I'm like woman 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 you know I feel a little yeah. weird like doing that in a band with like a couple of folks who identify as Jews because like they might not like relate yeah. to that <laughs> yeah, I hear um so yeah, like, uh, so it'll just be stuff like that. Um, but usually, though, too, if it's if it's on the line at all, I'll like put it in the sister bucket and see if they want it first, and then and then if not, then I'll see if see if I still do. But yeah. <laughs> and when you're writing songs as well, uh, I mean, I can only speak from my own experiences, and I know everybody's approach is different. But you know, do you feel does the music come first? Does the lyrics come first? Is it some? Does it go both ways? What's that creative process like for you? Yeah, it, it definitely goes both ways. Uh, sometimes I will, um, and it definitely goes both ways, I guess. And I'll back it up a little bit and say it usually involves a voice memo on my phone. So I'll either have like a lyrical idea, um, and I'll just like say that in into my phone and probably record it and like write it down later. Um, Cause usually I find that it's like when I'm in the car or like, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I'm like, you know, like in the shower, like weird places um, where you're actually really not thinking about it. And then it actually comes to you. Um, so I'll do that. Um, and sometimes it's words, sometimes it's a melody um, and I'll actually sing something into my phone. And then occasionally too, like I'll just be noodling on guitar and something will pop out. Um, so it really, it really varies. Yeah. 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 Voice memos are a godsend because dude, it's yeah. like, it's easy to forget stuff. Like you'll be in the spur of the moment and be like, oh, this is great. And then you'll forget it, you know, and then it's yeah. like, it's lost. <laughs> yes. I, I love, I love voice memos a little too much. I think I have like 600 on my phone. Right now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I don't I always consider myself kind of like technologically advanced compared to most people, but also at the same time, it took me forever to like acclimate myself to being like, dude, you have voice memos on your phone, use it, yeah. So you don't forget, or like a note on your phone, yeah. yeah. It's like just use it, man. Yeah, yep. you won't forget stuff. Calendar, just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like literally, I probably never used it until like the last two or three years. Right. Same. You know, like and that, and that's it's kind of sad, honestly. <laughs> Who knows how many good no, ideas have just just floated off? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's like the saying goes: if it's meant to be, they'll come back. No, yeah, sure. <laughs> or uh, if they were good enough, they would have never left, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing I, I mean, I guess this kind of goes back into the the doomier sound and riffs, if you will, with the solo stuff. I just yeah. think overall the the music palette is marginally darker. Not to say that like everything's bubble gums and lollipops over on the sister side either, but there, there's definitely, <laughs> I can, I can definitely see that PJ Harvey influence that you mentioned earlier now way more on the, on the solo side. Mm. I think that's ah, where I was going with that comment for sure. That's really fascinating to me actually, because I feel like, and I get it because there are um, probably just like some like, just beefier like chunkier kind of guitars and um for both sister and my solo stuff i i tuned down so i'm in um i'm in c actually it's like c standard yeah so that makes everything sound even lower definitely um but that's interesting that you say that because i i feel like those songs um a lot of times like make it into the solo category because i i think in my head that they're poppier yeah and maybe and maybe both things can be true right like sure it can it, like the construction 
is probably pretty poppy. Um, I would say, um, popish, you know, but, um, yeah, as far as the formula. Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting that the, uh, that they, they come across as like a little doomier because I just hadn't thought of it that way. Like, I don't mind at all because I love Jimmy stuff. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just hadn't thought about it that way, which is really interesting. Something else that I had noticed too, uh, I, I guess here recently, some of your solo stuff has been featured in Nashville and some various places. Is that right? I thought I saw you put up a reel about your stuff getting featured over in Nashville. Yeah. So like an online friend of mine, uh, Andy is, is a DJ at, um, uh, one Oh two nine, the buzz in Nashville. Yeah. And he also happens to be, uh, the drummer of Cavo. If you've heard of them. Um, I think, I mean, they're a national band, but I think you could maybe also call them a St. Louis band. Cause a lot of them are local. Um, and Andy used to live in St. Louis and now he lives in Nashville. Um, so he's a DJ on that, on that show down there. And yeah, he's been kind enough to play, play both my, uh, most recent solo singles. So that's really, that's been exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That so, is cool. I, I, uh, hint, hint, I have a few, I have two more of like this batch coming out and then, oh, um, nice. so maybe that'll happen. Yeah, maybe it'll happen again. We'll see. <laughs> so your two most recent that you're mentioning is as of yet in Na Na Na, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there a full length coming up with your solo stuff? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I don't have any plans for one. Yeah, it's definitely a maybe. It's a nothing is a. I almost never say never, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for now, I think um, it's just going to be singles, um, and then we'll see, I guess. Uh, right, where it takes you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, and with the with the nature of, like, the internet and stuff these days, too, I find myself thinking way too much about, you know, you need to have, like, constant content, right? And not, right. like, a, a lag in between, you know, albums or yada, sure. yada. And that's, I hate that. And I, I also know that it's true. Um, so, cause I yeah. work in advertising. Um, yeah. And it, and it's like, man, promotion bums me out like more than anything, but also I know, you know, you, you like, otherwise nobody's going to know that you exist. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. So like I have those things in the back of my mind, unfortunately, but. You know, another thought that came to mind, too, as far as the material, your solo material versus scissor material, too. You know, your your songwriting might not necessarily be different or the approaches might might be different. But then also you have to consider that the lens at which it's developed through. So whenever it's your solo stuff and it's just you, it's you woodshedding all that stuff through your vision. Right. But then when you take it through the band, it goes through all these other various points of view. And uh, although, Mm -hmm. you know, it might have sounded very much different being handled by yourself too but yeah man i just uh i think both projects have a lot of legs to them yeah and you know i your work stood out to me right away whenever i heard both incarnations of it uh for various reasons thank you that means a lot do you get much of an opportunity to play your solo stuff out so i i have once (laughs) um and the, the the only reason for that is really just like i need i need i would need to form a band i think to to do it with some regularity or like just get some people in the rotation. Right. As far as like, like, uh, yeah, people to play with, um, uh, which is, uh, a possible, that's also something I'm thinking about doing. Um, I definitely want to at least do like one, one show 
probably here over the summer and then you know maybe, maybe some um kind of live stuff too like online but um go. yeah i would just need a i i would just need a band for the stuff that i can't play <laughs> you're in the you're in the right city for that and uh hopefully maybe you'll get some hits after this episode too yeah, so yeah. people know that you're some networking yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah, my band mates are tired of me, so you know. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But also, you know, you just don't want to. Um, I don't want to confuse things too much sure. either, because you know, then then if I get all the same people to play, right, right, stuff right. that I've written, it just becomes that again. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Well, you know, uh, don't beat yourself up too much. Earlier, earlier you mentioned, you know, hey, I feel like we we're impatient we got to release this that sort of thing because there is a catharsis that comes with you know getting that that work off your plate in the sense of like okay hey world here's here's our music you can kind of see the online reception uh when you play it out you get to see the you know the reception of the people of that material and you kind of know going forward you know to build a set list or whatever the case is what you're going to leave in what you might leave out and so on and so forth so I know that that's why I always try to look at it as a musician. I was always eager to release anything. Yeah. You know, just be it was always like trying to make new if, material. If I hear it and it sounds better than what I thought it sounded, then I'm like, oh, that, that kind of pumps you up a little bit as a musician, right? Yeah. And then you can actually, yeah. you know, you, you hear things differently than, you know, your practice space or, uh, you know, live on the stage at Heavy Anchor or whatever the location is versus, yeah. you know, hearing a nice, you know, produced quality uh, recording. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that has its pluses and negatives sometimes too. You know, you realize this part's working here, that part's not working there. Uh, but not to get too long, long winded with it. Um, you know, it's good to at least get that material out and there is a cathartic nature to that action, uh, if nothing else. There definitely is. Um, it's it's I I I'm not gonna use the thing like it's like having a baby because it's not, but um <laughs> it is um <laughs> that analogy is often used. Yes, right? Yeah, and I don't think that's really fair. Um but <laughs> like there's a lot of differences there. Um but it is like, yes, it's something that you've been working on for a while and and it's finally um out and yeah, there is that uh feeling of just accomplishment and like uh having having done it um it's it's always great if the reception is nice but um it's also you know it's also just like fine if it's not because i think it's such an achievement just to to do anything uh whether it's a podcast uh making albums making you know uh being an artist to just to do anything really and put yourself out there um in front of people i think that's just an accomplishment I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's the type of environment we like to try and foster for sure. So I wanted to hit you with some random questions to get our audience and some people to know you a little bit better. Uh, I promise they won't be too brutal. And if you got to take time with any of them, it's fine. Uh, First question I'm going to hit you with is give me your Mount Rushmore of musical influences or inspirations. It can be either or it could be a mixture of it, uh, whatever you Mm -hmm. want it to be. Uh, a Mount Rushmore, so four people or a- acts that are musical influence and inspirations for you personally. Okay, okay. Well, we talked about PJ Harvey, so I'll do that. Okay. Let's see. Do I have to pick one member of Sabbath or can it be all of them? It can be the whole can band. It, it could be, be the Sabbath? whole band. That's, yeah. oh. Okay. Yeah. So That's, PJ, I get it. <laughs> my, other, my other one, actually, the reason I got like an orange amp, which I think I see one in the back there. With my yeah, my yeah. eyes are not deceiving me. 
was because of um, Omar Rodriguez Lopez from At the Drive In, oh, who yes. is also just a guitar player and oh, yes. has all these other projects as well too. Like I, he he does he puts so much out I can't even right keep track but yeah, it's crazy. almost yeah everything i've heard is excellent oh my gosh like the last one uh it's a, like a, i'm sure there's something really obvious that i should be thinking of I, I think i need to change it up a little bit and do something that's not like so heavy so how about i'm gonna go with tom petty because oh, okay yeah. cool i love that one of my Rushmore. favorite musicians ever nice yeah, I am a Midwestern girl after all, and I like some uh, I like some Americana. And Tom is he's the best. So. Absolutely, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize too. He his work goes beyond, you know, what was accredited to him or Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, whatever the act was at the time. Like he wrote for a lot of people. Stevie Nicks, he wrote a lot for mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks. You know, mm-hmm. he was just a yep. phenomenal yep. dude. And um, you're traveling Wilburys, so like some of his other uh, projects that he worked on and things like that. Yeah, man, he is just. He's yeah. the man. That's a good selection. For sure. Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh, that's awesome. I like it. Uh, now I just need like a, what can I get? Like a candle or something? Or like a. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like in remembrance. Even... Yeah, there you go. You've got the death penalty for whatever reason. That's up to you. <laughs> but you get one final meal. Oh. What's that meal? Oh, gosh. P- pizza. Pizza. It's probably going to be pizza. That's solid. <laughs> yeah. That's solid. You can't go wrong with pizza typically, but please don't tell me it's corporate pizza. It's got to be like, you know, an authentic mom or pop. <laughs> like Dewey's or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Give, give me some good pizza. We have a good, uh, we have a Pizzioli is a good Neapolitan pizza place by our house. Um, but yeah, yeah. Some, some good pizza. Some I haven't tried that yet, but I, it has intrigued me several times uh, to try. That's oh, not too it, far from my friend Zach's house. Oh, there. okay. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely try it. I like it. This one might cause some controversy. Who is the most <laughs> oh. overrated artist in your opinion? Oof. Oh. That's a uh, tough one. Yeah. Please hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> I'm like... Uh. Uh, the only thing that's happening to me is like low hanging fruit right now, you know. Um, okay. Well, the, we're, not, like, we're not too Taylor big Swift. for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's just like an e. That's like an easy. That's that's too easy, and I don't even know if I agree with it. Uh, gosh, 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 gosh. I'm trying to um, even think one of myself that I can. You know, it's kind of tough. That's a tough one. It is hard. Because I feel like the people, there are people that I just like personally dislike, but that's just a personal thing, you know? Right, like, right. Sure. No, that's an actual reflection of their talent. Um, 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 um I don't know. Uh, okay. Oh, ooh, this is going to be, this is going to make people mad probably. It is. I don't know. I think I, I was going to say uh, Lady Gaga, but. Yeah, that's a good one. Now, not, not so because, far. Yeah, I honestly I think she's she's really talented and right. it's not that. I think some people just try to make hmm, music and like the symbolism and things behind it like more complicated than it actually it is or be, like try to yeah, read more I see than that. is actually there. Like yeah. I don't know if I see, actually see a lot of that stuff there, but then also I mean she's got a great voice. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah. I can kind of see yeah. that. She's one that I honestly like never cared for. Thought she was, uh, I mean, just to be silly, stupid or whatever. But mm-hmm. as I got older and people are like, look at this or look at that. I'm like, oh, that is, you know, she's more talented than I thought she was. So I'd say she'd be probably yeah. like somebody I would say like, 
she had more going on than I initially realized at the topical level, but mm-hmm. she does have kind of a cult phenomenon following about her yeah. that I don't quite understand. I mean, I've, I've heard why and I get it in that sense, but she just didn't land with me. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. I think like for me, it's like she, she is talented and she had, she does have all those things. I mean, I just saw, sure. we watched the, what was it? The Oscars and you know, she did it a performance. And it was fantastic and it was amazing. I thought I was like, wow, that was really good. Um, but uh, so I think like that stuff is there, but I don't know that the actual like music music is right. really that exciting. Yeah. So that's that would be my critique, perhaps. Yeah. I'm curious to see where uh she goes as Harley Quinn in the, the <laughs> Joker movie, the yeah. Joaquin Phoenix oh. Yeah, she's playing Harley Quinn in that, and supposedly it's got some musical aspects and other stuff, which I hate to be this guy, but I like not usually into musicals personally. It's fine if you are, it's just not yeah. my yeah. cup of tea. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm curious yeah. to see where that goes. Yeah, sure. that's interesting. Um, I like, I didn't see the, um, the other movie that she was in, so I don't know like what her acting chops are like at all. Oh, the Bradley um, Cooper that- film? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Stars Born or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I've heard uh, that yeah, damn so song way too much though. <laughs> I mean, Bradley Bradley Cooper's a great actor without question, but uh, yeah, it's one of the movies that didn't appeal to me either. It's like my time is so limited. I hate to be like this elitist asshole right now, but like I've just been like, does that look interesting to me? And am I going to be mad if it if I waste ninety minutes of my life watching it? Absolutely you know? right. Yeah, you know, so it's like I just kind of make those decisions now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's elitist at all. You know, like your time is yours, so yeah. like that's yeah. like the the one way that you can kind of like say control your life a little bit. You right, know, like sure. you can yes, no to what you do with your time, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's go a more positive route with the next one. Let's say uh, who's one of the most underrated artists of all time, somebody that you would champion and say, hey, you guys ain't giving this person their respect. Ooh, I got one. I got one. Uh, so um there is this band called Land of Talk. Um and and it, it's it's fronted and and it's basically like Elizabeth Powell who is this um amazing Canadian musician. She I think if I understand correctly played cello at, like at university um and then started playing guitar and then like a lot of those kind of cello um playing skills. Yeah came over with her to guitar but anyway she's got several albums out and um over the course of like a long period of time now since probably like uh the mid 2000s or early 2000s she started putting stuff out um and then the most recent album i think was just a couple years ago so she's still active as of now and uh they're all fantastic like the first one is really super loud driving like crunchy rock and roll um and then like the most recent ones are even sort of like um they even have like dream pop elements like they're they're kind of like ethereal and i think she's so talented and and um i think like uh she did one of her albums i think with um justin vernon uh bony bear you know Um, like everybody knows how good she is (laughs) like in the scene uh i don't know how i discovered her uh i think Maybe she was actually filling in on vocals for a broken social scene for a moment, and that might have been it. But anyway, um, so like she's out there, she's doing very well for herself. But um, 
every most people I talk to don't don't know them. So I'm like Land of Talk, Land of Talk, Land, Land of talk. talk. I will have to so, check that out. I'm not familiar with that Land for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely check it out. What would you say is your favorite movie of all time? Mm, okay, well, fun fact about me: I am uh, not not ironically very seriously a big Nick Cage fan. Um, so uh, okay. I'm gonna go. <clears throat> um, those aren't the only movies I like, but my favorite movie is Wild at Heart, uh, the David nice. Lynch movie that he's in. Yes, with Laura Dern. Yes, I love it. I mean, it's like it's Bobby got musical Peru. elements too, metal, you know, and like, uh, yeah, I just love it. It's spooky and funky. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> Bob- Bobby Peru is one of the most vile human beings ever. <laughs> Willem Dafoe's character. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. Willem Dafoe, he always does such a good job with that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a classic. Yeah, yeah. he's fantastic. And David yeah. Lynch is probably my second or third favorite director ever. So, yeah, you can't go wrong with the David Lynch film either. Nice. Yeah, no, that's like my one bit of like film. I wouldn't say snobbery because I'm not <laughs> I'm not a film snob. But uh, <laughs> like some David Lynch, like genuinely. <laughs> so... You know, it's it's hard to you know, watch a movie like every one of his movies hit you in a different way almost. Uh, and he definitely has that atmosphere that he sets with all of his movies. It's got kind of a common thread. It usually relates yeah. back to his implementations of campiness and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, like Twin Peaks, one of my favorite TV shows ever, if not my favorite TV show ever. It's up there. It's in the conversation yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's good. Melissa, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Yes, and I really appreciate all the time that you gave us. Let's talk about what what shows you got coming up. You guys got anything coming up that we can talk about and get people out to your shows? Yeah. So um, Sister has a – well, our next show is going to be that Record Store Day show at uh, Vintage Vinyl in The Loop. Um, there's also a 420 event going on that day. Uh, so Del Mar is going to be popping. Yeah. Um, we play at 4 o'clock okay. um, in the afternoon. And um, – I don't know if they're charging to get in. I don't imagine they will, but um, don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, and then uh, our next gig is in May. Um, we're putting together all the details for that, but um, we've got basically gigs every month. So if you if you want, you know, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, we're on TikTok too, but who knows what's going to happen there? Um, <laughs> uh, we uh, let's be like yeah, our right. TikTok, sure. Yeah, right, right. So, um and we have a we have a mailing list that you can sign up for somewhere. I think on our Bandcamp too. If you don't do socials, which is totally res- totally respectable, um we can keep you updated that way. Folks, start following Cicer on social media. Uh follow Melissa as well. I'm sure that you'd be welcome people to follow you too and get more information about your solo stuff coming out too, right? Of course, of course, yeah. And I know you're pretty active and interactive on your TikTok specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I've really enjoyed like meeting meeting all kinds of folks like uh of you know, similar mindsets and and stuff, uh similar hobbies, etc. on on the interwebs. It's yeah, for it's sure. like it's it's great. Uh, you know, there's downsides too, but the good sides are really cool. So yeah. Speaking of hobbies, before we get off of here, I don't want to gloss over the fact too. Like you got some pretty cool uh, skating videos on your social media and reels. Uh, <laughs> I love roller, that stuff. Roller so, yeah. skating specifically, Great and, and yeah, that's uh, oh. roller skating itself has kind of made a comeback in yeah. recent years too. And uh, I know that like sometimes you'll say like I'm working on this specifically, 
whatever that move is or the case being. Um, but like even mm-hmm. just following you over, I don't know how long it's been, maybe six months, maybe a year. I've noticed that you've even gotten, you know, better at your skating and things yeah. that you've worked on too. So it's really cool to see that yeah. develop across social media too. Yeah. It's been like uh, a hobby that I didn't know was going to be so much fun. And then, um, yeah, I really like it cause I don't have to try, you know, right. like, um, <laughs> yeah, like it, it doesn't matter if you're any good. Um, you can just do it. Uh, but the weird thing is too, that you do get better and then you get like, oh my gosh, like this little, uh, just boost of serotonin yeah. after you know, accomplishing something you've been trying to do for a little while, but yeah, it's at your own pace and it's, it's, it's a fun hobby. I do recommend if it's not skating anything, you know, and I'm not a spring chicken either. Like I'm in my thirties, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I would say if there's anything that you, anyone is interested in doing out there like just do it because yeah life is short and yeah you might absolutely. really like it well we thank you again very much for your time today melissa and uh, we're going to be making sure that we link up all your socials for both your solo project and sister and you know hopefully we'll get some folks out to your show and some new fans new listeners best of luck to you going forward yeah thank you for your time oh my gosh thank you guys so much i really i really love what you're doing with the podcast and thank you for having me um i'll be staying in touch yeah yeah we'll be tagging you and everything so don't worry yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then hopefully we'll have you back on whenever you got some more material and some stuff out there to promote we'll be happy to have you back on absolutely i would be happy to i would love to sticking around after the break great talk with melissa today oh yeah what a pleasure it was nice to hear about some of her influences and things pj harvey and those various bands that she brought up in the time period like makes a lot more sense to me now right i I just don't know i you know whenever you listen to things sometimes your your headspace is just an entirely different place and i was just trying to think like if i was trying to tell somebody about this band like what what is it that they sound like and i was having a little bit of a difficulty even though it you know Certainly, I could see some of the 90s rock elements and and things like that. But even with her solo stuff, like I mentioned in the interview, some kind of doomier, darker moods and and riffs and things of that that nature. So Yeah, and I love that shit. So keep it coming. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Hopefully, you folks get out there and and go out and see a scissors show. Yeah, go check them out. Go support. Like like we always say, just go out and support these people. Right. And if nothing else, you need to do the window shopping. Those guys are on uh, Spotify as far as streaming services I know. And so you can listen to it there. I always encourage folks to go to Bandcamp. Bandcamp, you know, more directly goes to artists and their endeavors and 
You can actually purchase the vinyl through their Bandcamp website for Scissor, and you can also purchase the singles from Melissa, her solo project, just Melissa Powers. But again, both projects are on streaming services, and then you can go more directly support them by going to their band camps and go to a show. And I think she record. said that vinyl was only 20 bucks. Yeah, 20 that's, bucks is that's not a bad awesome, price. Dude. That's a deal. Yeah. And I like to hear too the aspect that, again, we're kind of into this, you know, St. Louis synergy, you know, one hand helping the other. They actually have an artist, you know, uh, an artist friend of theirs. So it kind of goes across other mediums that did their album artwork, which was really cool to hear. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and, and that artwork I felt like stood out pretty cool as well. Yeah, and you know, it's awesome too just to see uh, female artists and female rock artists, especially because you don't see that a lot in our area. It's mostly dominated by males. Yeah, I mean, for sure. So it's cool to see that too. Yeah, and, and definitely worth mentioning a good call on that. I, one thing I want to bring up too while we're in this moment, of course, we did announce some of the guests. I know before we said we were doing a month dedicated to women in June with our programming, uh, but we did announce almost all of that talent with the exception of the last week that we'll be having on. It's on our Instagram, Facebook pages. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to, I think might some, some of that might be limited on Twitter, but I haven't gotten around to it on our TikTok. So yeah, already out on the media, on the social media channels for you guys to check out and see what we have coming in June and really excited about that month in particular. Yeah. Some new visual stuff too that I've been working on. So yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of which, Josh has got a really cool uh, new intro to the video piece of the show that he did share on social media. We shared from our accounts and I'm um, looking forward to splicing that in. Yeah, in I'm, I'm going to make a few more tweaks, you know, get a finalized product. But yeah, I can't wait to share it with you guys. It, it's turned out pretty cool. So yeah, absolutely. And definitely fit the show too. Yeah. So let's talk about what we got going on next episode. Next episode, of course, we have good old buddy of the show, Marcus Newstead of Pathomite, Fister, Daybringer, Bastard, Past Life Tiger, Last Flight Home, McCree, more you know probably something else we don't know about that he'll probably tell us about on the show <laughs> what you know? band is he not in no no uh, you know all them boys from last night home hold a special part in my heart so and i'm sure they do in yours but uh yeah. he's yeah he's such a talented um musician and he's done so much stuff in the st louis area and i missed him on the last interview so it'll be cool to catch up with marcus i haven't seen him in a while so the last time i seen him i think was at jason's show for storm ruler and we didn't really even get a chance to talk so it'll be nice to see marcus yeah absolutely looking forward to having marcus Marcus back on the show and talk about all the cool things that they have in the work. I know Fister's going to be going on tour. Fister's been recording new material. So I know that piece of things we're going to lean into heavily. I think there's been some like member changes with Path of Might and who's doing what in the band. So I think we'll have a little talk on that. We'll get an update on Daybringer and Bastard. I know most of the members of Bastard are in other pro- projects such as Storm Ruler, which those boys are on tour over in Europe and they're fucking killing it. Oh, dude. Jason's killing me with all yeah. the fucking shit he's sharing. Um, they're off day in Paris. He dumped like a giant like 40 picture photo dump on facebook and i was like oh my god dude, i love it i'm, I'm so, so happy, happy for yeah. him too i'm proud yeah. of him good kid yeah deserves it. i say kid you know yeah he's an excellent musician i'm yeah. glad we've known him for a long time and he's paying yeah. off yeah it's definitely the talent is deserving of the spotlight and the opportunities that it's getting don't stop keep doing it storm ruler 100 so let's talk about Marcus, to uh, you know, we're going to be streaming on a night that we normally don't, and that's been kind of the run of the mill here lately. We've been trying <laughs> to make things work with everybody, but we're going to be live at seven thirty again, but on Wednesday of next week. So we're going to be a tight turnaround for us here. Wednesday the 29th, we're going to be shooting for a seven thirty start time on our stream, and we will be live with Marcus Newstead, and looking forward to that conversation and getting an update from him. So for this week. I am Barrett at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. He's Josh underscore Josh Welch on Instagram. And we are out of time. Until next time, 
Good night and good luck. And stay safe out there. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there.